0: Hello everybody and welcome to Reading and Weeping. I'm your host Julia and this is a podcast where we talk about reading and all things books so I truly appreciate you for listening. Today I wanted to talk about reading as a form of entertainment and how You can rediscover your love for reading that you may be lost in childhood or how you can even discover it for the first time because I know that happened to me. That is a huge shift that happened in my life this year. I think before April of 2022, I hadn't read an entire book cover to cover since I was probably like 11 or 12 years old. So it's been about A good 10 years since I have read an entire book, but this year all of that really did change for me. So I wanted to share um, kind of how I used to approach reading and how I approach it now and how it has made me really, really love it and look forward to it and be like a relaxing hobby that I can enjoy in my downtime rather than a chore. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so let's start with a little bit of background on my journey with all of this. So basically, when I was like 10, I loved reading. Books were having their moment back then. That was when, like, the Hunger Games was coming out. I think Divergent came out a couple of years later, like, those dystopian teen sci fi novels were coming out and stuff like that. Um, and I absolutely consumed all of those books. They were fantastic, they were so good. And I was really, I felt really encouraged to read. You know, it was something that I looked forward to and got excited about. But as I got into middle school and high school, that was when we were really starting to be assigned to read certain books, like classic novels and things like that. And where, you know, we'd have our finals based off of them and, you know, we'd have to write essays on them and do, do like it was a bunch of like school work surrounded with books. And because the books were classics, they were pretty difficult to comprehend in a short period of time I remember like always being told okay you have to read chapters 1 through 10 by next week and make sure to look out for x y and z and we're gonna have a pop quiz on it maybe so be ready you know and you're like oh okay so you go and you try and read this book that's written in like old English and you're like what what am I supposed to be looking for here? I'm just trying to comprehend the story and follow along to what's happening. And I'm supposed to be looking for like a metaphor and a theme and imagery and all that, like those literary devices, you know? And it's important. I think that's very, very important. But it did kind of make me resent reading a little bit. It was reading for the purpose of passing a test Or passing a class. A prime example of this is The Great Gatsby. So I remember being assigned to read that book in like 10th or 11th grade. And I didn't really want to read it. I was like, okay, this is just gonna be another boring classic novel that we're gonna have our finals on. I'm just gonna spark note it because I'm sick and tired of it. I had gotten to be an expert at that, by the way, I was so good at it. Should I be bragging about that? Probably not, but nevertheless, I just thought this was gonna be like a really boring classic novel that, you know, was meant to teach me something, and I was just like so tired and over, I was like, I got better things to do. But then I watched the movie that Baz Luhrmann made, and I was like, whoa, this is actually a really cool story. But even then, you know, my teacher said that's though that that movie version is not really accurate to the book and it ended up being accurate to the book of course um and i just remember thinking wow great gatsby actually is a cool story like maybe all of these books aren't boring but i'm still not motivated to read them because i'm always nervous that while reading it there's going to be something that i miss that's going to be tested on and Reading's not supposed to be like that. It is supposed to be for fun. F. Scott Fitzgerald did not write The Great Gatsby thinking, how could I make this so that 10th graders 100 years from now uh, can be tested on it in their finals, in their classes? You know, like, that's not why he wrote it. Of course, there are, you know, messages and themes and symbolism in there that are all very important and meant to be like a social commentary. Of course. But I think that you can better receive that if you're just reading the book for entertainment purposes, you know? And I didn't really understand that when I was in school. So that was a big mindset shift of mine this year, which leads me into my first tip for somebody who wants to rediscover their love for reading, and that is to read young adult, teen, even children's novels. That might sound really redundant, and you're like, why would I read something that is below my reading level? That's stupid. I will tell you why, because those books are often so entertaining and so fun to read. Some of the greatest books I have ever read in my entire life are like children and teen novels. Truly. And I've read a lot of adult novels this year and a lot of really, really incredible books. And a lot of them honestly don't compare to some of the books that I read when I was younger. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. If you finish a children's novel or a teen novel or a young adult novel, you finished a book and you can put it on your Goodreads and you can say that you enjoyed it. And it's literally the same as reading any other book, and it was easy to read, and it was entertaining, and it will give you the confidence to move forward from there. That was the biggest thing for me. I read The Inheritance Games was one of the first books that I read this year, and it's a young adult book, and it was so entertaining. It got me reading, and I was like, wait, I finished a whole book? I could, I didn't even know that I could finish a whole book. I haven't read in 10 years. I thought this was going to be so difficult for me, and it wasn't it was just fun to read. It was entertaining. And that's the whole entire point of it. Another roadblock that I kind of had to get past. And I think that a lot, of, I know that a lot of other people in my life kind of feel this way about themselves. Like you think that you're not a good reader because you can't quote unquote speed read. And I think that Everybody online I know talks about it now. They're like, how much can I read in 24 hours? I read eight books. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you you do that? Like it's some sort of party trick. You know what I mean? That you can just read a book super, super quickly. I'm not like that. I'll sit down with a book and I'll read it in an entire day, but it'll take me like eight hours to do it, you know? Um, And I used to think in high school when we were reading all of these classic books, and I was reading it so slowly trying to understand everything. And I would talk to friends that were in my class and I'd say, man, this book is like really hard to read. And they'd be like, you're still reading it? I finished it two days ago. Like, oh my gosh, like maybe I just suck at reading. Maybe I'm terrible at this. And I've got news for you. You're not terrible at reading. You are not. And there's no such thing as like a good or a bad reader because you're not in competition with anybody. This is for you. There's no deadlines that you have to meet anymore. There's no like certain things that you need to remember about the story. You can consume a story at your own pace, consume the entertainment at your own pace And still enjoy it just as much as the speed reader does. Let's put this into perspective by thinking about a TV show, right? You have a Netflix show where all of the episodes drop at the same time. You're going to have one person who is a fan of the show, who's going to stay up all night and binge watch and finish the entire thing. You're going to have somebody else who is also a fan who's gonna take it one step at a time, maybe watch one or two episodes a day and it might take them two weeks to finish. Now, listen to how ridiculous this next question is going to sound. Does this mean that the person who binge watched the show all in one day is better at watching TV than the person who watched it over the course of two weeks? No, because it's not a real skill. Somebody cannot walk up to you in all seriousness and say, oh, I'm I am better at watching TV than you because I can binge watch something all in one day. That is so ridiculous and so stupid. It makes literally no sense. Right. It is the same with books. You are reading books and watching TV for the same reason, and it's to consume content and to be entertained. But I think because we're taught in school that reading is this intellectual activity that you can be graded on your reading comprehension, that you are being judged based upon the speed at which you read something. When in reality, this is just for you. Reading involves nobody else but you and you can stop reading something if you don't like it it doesn't matter you know like you're just not doing this for anybody else but yourself so keep that in mind when you start out on your reading journey the last piece of advice that I have for somebody starting on their reading journey is to never regret reading a book because one It's a major accomplishment that you got through it, even if you didn't like it. You know, you can put it on your Goodreads. You can put it towards your reading goal. That's awesome. But also reading books that you don't like gives you a better understanding of your taste and what kinds of books you're going to go for and what books you're going to avoid. And in a way, it makes you more motivated to read because you're like, okay, I know for sure that this type of book is not something that I really want to go after. I'm going to stick to mystery novels or I'm going to stick to thrillers or romance novels or whatever it is that you like. And I don't mean that you shouldn't read new things and you shouldn't read new books because it's similar to something that you hated. That's not what I mean. It's just to me, when I read something that was maybe not my favorite, I get motivated to read something else that is totally in the opposite direction, thinking, okay, it's not going to be As bad as what I just read, it's going to be something totally new to me. And that is where you get to discover new things and hone in on certain aspects of these stories that you enjoy and certain aspects that you don't enjoy. I would also like to say that the books that you read that aren't very good, that maybe your friends have read and they might have liked or they might have not liked it, some of the best conversations that you have can come out of talking about these stories like you might say oh I hated this part of this book because of x y and z and they'll say really I actually loved it because of x y and z and then you can get into these like intense conversations from there about these stories just like you would for a movie or a tv show it, it ends up being like the best discourse that you can have with your friends. So don't ever regret reading something because you didn't like it. It just teaches you something new, which I think is incredibly valuable. And you're going to end up reading stuff that you don't like. You are. So don't regret it when you do get to something that you end up not loving. So that's my two cents. Those are all of the mindset changes that I made when I decided to start reading again. And it definitely helped me fall in love with reading a lot easier and took a lot of the pressure off of myself. And it's been so rewarding because this is like the first time in so long that I feel like I've consumed a bountiful amount of original content. I really love TV and film and I always will, but I'm really sick and tired of seeing the same stories by the same people being told over and over and over again through remakes and reboots and biopics. And it starts to feel inauthentic after a while and you kind of start to resent film and TV as a medium of storytelling. And you start to not really trust it anymore because you can see through it you can see all of the people that stand to profit off of fictionalized retellings of somebody else's life where it often doesn't include their consent like if I see one more Marilyn Monroe biopic I think I'm gonna lose my entire mind what's the point of do of doing that of telling that story for the millionth time. It's to get the girl who plays her an Oscar. Seriously. Like, what are we supposed to gain from seeing this story for the hundredth time? And it does kind of feel like a slap in the face to the audience because you know that these big executives at these studios are like, let's just make this movie again, but reimagine it. It's like... I don't want that. Like who wants that? Nobody wants to go see that shit. You know, a lot of it ends up going to Disney plus anyway. It doesn't ever even end up going to theaters because they know it's not going to perform well. So why waste the time and waste the money distributing it to theaters all around the country and all around the world when you could just slap it in a in, in a streaming service. It's just lazy and it's become so repetitive and boring and It's just so the opposite of the kind of content that I want to consume. I want to hear new stories by new people and I want them to be innovative. I want them to be fresh and new. The only place where you can find stories like that is in the literary space, is in books. I have read so many books this year that have pleasantly surprised me, where I don't see the ending coming from a mile away. And I learn about new types of characters who teach me new things. And I just, I'm always excited to pick up a book because of that reason. And if you are someone like me who is just really hungering for that and just looking for that new, fresh content, pick up a book. And if you're thinking to yourself, I agree with you, Julia, a hundred percent, but I don't know where the hell to start. Well, I have a couple of recommendations for you for some easy, good, fun reads um, that you may or may not like, but it doesn't matter because you'll get through them. You will get through them and you will gain the confidence in yourself to read. So let's start off with the first book I would like to recommend to you. So this first book is called One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. Um, Let me just go ahead and read the synopsis and then I'll talk about it. So when Katie's mother dies, she's left reeling. Carol wasn't just Katie's mom, but her best friend and first phone call. She had all the answers. And now when Katie needs her the most, she is gone. To make matters worse, their planned mother-daughter trip of a lifetime looms. Two weeks in Positano, the magical town Carol spent the summer right before she met Katie's father. Katie has been waiting years for Carol to take her, and now she is faced with embarking on the adventure alone. But as soon as she steps foot on the Amalfi Coast, Katie begins to feel her mother's spirit. Buoyed by the stunning waters, beautiful cliffsides, delightful residents, and of course, delectable food, Katie feels herself coming back to life. And then Carol appears, in the flesh, healthy, suntanned, and 30 years old. Katie doesn't understand what is happening or how. All she can focus on is that she has somehow impossibly gotten her mother back. Over the course of one Italian summer, Katie gets to know Carol not as her mother, but as the young woman before her. She is not exactly who Katie imagined she'd be, however, and soon Katie must reconcile the mother who knew everything with the young woman who does not yet have a clue. So the reason that I am recommending this book is because it's one of the first books I read when I started on this journey. And it was a very easy read. But Rebecca Searle also does a great job of kind of just describing the Amalfi Coast landscape. And you really get this sense of escapism while you're reading it. You do picture yourself in the story with Katie. And I think that's what makes it so great and I think that's what makes it such an easy read you might hate it I don't know but I think I think it's worth it for sure it's always worth it like I said earlier so let's get into the second book that I'm going to recommend to you which is Verity by Colleen Hoover now this book was a book that I didn't really love the ending of but it sparked incredible conversations with my friends So it's sort of open-ended, but there's so much of it to dissect. I know people who hate this book. I know people who love this book. And I know people like me who are kind of in between. But no matter your opinion on it, everybody can have fantastic conversations about the book and catch things that you maybe didn't catch before. So let me go ahead and read you the synopsis of this book. So here we go. Lowen Ashley is a struggling writer on the brink of financial ruin when she accepts the job offer of a lifetime. Jeremy Crawford, husband of best-selling author Verity Crawford, has hired Lowen to complete the remaining books in a successful series his injured wife is unable to finish. Lowen arrives at the Crawford home, ready to sort through years of Verity's notes and outlines, hoping to find enough material to get her started. What Lowen doesn't expect to uncover in the chaotic office is an unfinished autobiography Verity never intended for anyone to read. Page after page of bone-chilling admissions, including Verity's recollection of what really happened the day her daughter died, Lowen decides to keep the manuscript hidden from Jeremy, knowing its contents would devastate the already grieving father. But as Lowen's feelings for Jeremy begin to intensify, she recognizes all the ways she could benefit if he were to read his wife's words. After all, no matter how devoted Jeremy is to his injured wife, a truth this horrifying would make it impossible for him to continue to love her. So like I said you might love this you might hate it but you will definitely have an opinion at the end of it and it's a pretty easy read. The font is not too small it's double spaced you can really get through it and then you'll be surprised at how quickly you got through it. So that is an easy read that I definitely recommend for you to start out with. Now Let's shift gears to arguably my favorite book series of all time. I read these books when I was 10 and I would read them again today. They are 100% at the children's reading level, but they are some of the greatest pieces of entertainment I've ever read in my life. And that is the I Am Number 4 series. Listen to me before you judge me. These books are fantastic. You will not be able to put them down. I am so passionate about this because these books are amazing. I'm going to read you the synopsis before I keep talking because if this synopsis doesn't convince you and my passion doesn't convince you, I don't know what will. These books are amazing. Nine of us came here. We look like you. We talk like you. We live among you, but we are not you. We can do things you dream of doing. We have powers you dream of having. We are stronger and faster than anything you have ever seen. We are the superheroes you worship in movies and comic books, but we are real. Our plan was to grow and train and become strong and become one and fight them. But they found us and started hunting us first. Now all of us are running, spending our lives in the shadows in places where no one would look, blending in. We have lived among you without you knowing, but they know they caught number one in Malaysia, number two in England and number three in Kenya. They killed them all. I am number four. I am next. Girl, if that's suspense, doesn't get you, I don't know what will. These books are absolutely fantastic. And I think the reason that they are so fantastic is because they're told from so many different perspectives, but they kind of weave them together in a way that really creates this complete world that you can just envision in your head. It's so, so good. I'm not gonna say anymore because I could talk about this for literally years I love these books so much I know there's a bunch of offshoots of them after the like main series ended so I need to read those but oh my god these books are amazing I don't care the reading level they're amazing please go read them I'm begging so the next book that I am going to recommend to you is a book that I actually read pretty recently and this book is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig let me go ahead and read you the synopsis and then I'll talk a little bit more about it Between life and death, there is a library, and within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would be if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? A novel about all the choices that go into a life well-lived. Somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe out there is a library that contains an infinite number of books, each one the story of another reality. One tells the story of your life as it is, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you had made a different choice at any point in your life. While we all wonder how our lives might have been, what if you had the chance to go to the library and see for yourself? Would any of these other lives truly be better? Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision. Faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one, following a different career, undoing old breakups, realizing her dream of becoming a glaciologist, she must search within herself as she travels through the Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and what makes it worth living in the first place. This book initially intrigued me because it looked kind of like multiverse-y, You know, you get You got to see like different versions of yourself, but it ended up being something that was so poignant and so um, beautiful. And it did make me cry at the end. You know, it was truly a, a beautiful story. And it does teach you that like your life is still worth living and don't hate yourself for the decisions that you didn't make. And I think that that's such a beautiful sentiment and it does end up making you cry at the end. If you're in a vulnerable mood, like I was, of course. But it's a great... Easy read with a great message, and I highly recommend it. So my final recommendation for you today is The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. I think I mentioned this earlier in this episode today, um, but this was actually the first book that I read this year. The first book that I had read in about 10 years was The Inheritance Games. It's part of a series, and let me read you the synopsis because... It really intrigued me. Avery Grams has a plan for a better future. Survive high school, win a scholarship, and get out. But her fortunes change in an instant when billionaire Tobias Hawthorne dies and leaves Avery virtually his entire fortune. The catch? Avery has no idea why or even who Tobias Hawthorne is. To receive her inheritance, Avery must move into sprawling, secret-passage-filled Hawthorne House, where every room bears the old man's touch— and his love for puzzles, riddles, and codes. Unfortunately for Avery, Hawthorne House is also occupied by the family that Tobias Hawthorne just dispossessed. This includes the four Hawthorne grandsons. Dangerous, magnetic, brilliant boys who grew up with every expectation that one day they would inherit billions. Heir apparent Grayson Hawthorne is convinced that Avery must be a con woman, and he's determined to take her down. His brother, Jameson, views her as their grandfather's last hurrah, a twisted riddle, a puzzle to be solved. Caught in a world of wealth and privilege with danger around every turn, Avery will have to play the game herself just to survive. I love this book because it's such an easy read, but also because the chapters are so short. They're like a page each. I can't stand a 20 page chapter. I really can't. I mean, if the book's really good, I'll read it fine. But I prefer a nice short chapter. I think the longest chapter in the book is probably like four pages for real. Like it keeps you going because it's constantly like ending off. You know how chapters always end off with like a little cliffhanger? That's how these chapters always ended off and it just kept you wanting to read. All of a sudden, you're on like chapter 30 and you're like, oh my gosh, I've read 30 chapters of a book. You know, it's so easy to read and I highly, highly recommend it if you are looking for something to start out with because I started out with it and here I am. So that concludes this week's episode of Reading and Weeping. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Next week, I'm going to be starting out with the full length book reviews. I'm not going to reveal which one I'm going to do. But I am very excited. And I I just want to thank everybody who listened last week and finished this entire episode this week. I truly, truly appreciate it. I was really nervous to do this, but I am having so, so much fun. So thanks for tuning in. And I hope you are having a great day or night or whenever you're listening to this. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye.